good God, it's the changing of the seasons. Uh, well, sort of. I think there's one season that's going to change pretty soon, but we're changing seasons here on Elwood City Limits, the episodic Arthur podcast. This is Will Young here. Lucas, are you ready for yet another uh, Arthur season? You know, I wasn't sure if I was ready at first, but after these two episodes, uh, maybe I'm ready, Will. I might be ready. Interesting. I just might. Interesting you say that, because this is... Uh, I was afraid that you know, on the last episode of Velvet City Limits, when I read out these titles, uh, it didn't exactly inspire either of us with a great deal of excitement. So uh, maybe that's maybe actually watching them has changed our minds a bit on that. I won't lie to you. Up top here, there's quite a bit to get into. So it's almost it's almost hard to know exactly where to start. Well, you know what? Let's start in the tried and true place. We've got an email here that was delivered to us at elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. And let's read it out. This is where you can send in your correspondence to us, and we can read it on the air if you so choose, or not. This one is from Ashley Hollingsworth. Hey, Will and Lucas. Hurricane Satan would make an amazing metal band name. The tough customers should snap that up for their metal band. Slink on bass, Molly obviously a sick guitarist, rattles on drums, and Binky would let out his best guttural scream. Hurricane Satan was a miss here in the previous ECL episode, if you haven't listened to that. My thoughts on Shelter from the Storm. I really liked how this episode tackled this topic and showed how it affects it affects everyone differently. Even Muffy is affected, which was a nice change. I also think it's a good wake-up call to Muffy to introduce it, her to how others were affected. I really resonated with the brain on this one. His anxiety about feeling unsafe everywhere is how I felt post 9-11. I was about 12 when it happened, and I feared that every tall building I entered would be hit by an airplane, including the apartment my family lived in. Whenever my mom and I would drive on the highway and see the Chicago skyline in the distance, I worried that I would see a plane crash uh, at any given moment. I thought Arthur did a great job showing brains anxiety and letting kids know these feelings after traumatic events are normal and that getting help for it is also normal. While I did enjoy the episode quite a bit, I did not enjoy the Compson family. If anything, spending so much time with LaDonna and Bud's family reiterates how much I dislike them. When LaDonna was first introduced, I was actually excited to get a new member of the main cast. I thought she was nice, outgoing, and funny. But the more I saw her, the more annoyed I got with her. And Bud, the less said about Bud, the better. I don't know what it is, but I audibly groan whenever they appear on screen. I think it's the accents along with the overexposure. I overall enjoyed the episode. Uh, haven't enjoyed what I've seen of season 18, a season I wasn't familiar, very familiar with going in, but I'm glad it ended with a strong, thoughtful episode, and that is Ashley's number one. Uh, her top five from five to one, Arthur calls it the tardy tumbler, whip mix blend, the case of the girl with the long face, and shelter from the storm. Looking forward to season 19. So some strong thoughts and feelings there, Lucas. It seems that... The Compson siblings are a are still a little bit uh, of a hot topic here. And we might have some new developments on that front in this very episode. Now, I do want to take this opportunity. She mentioned Shelter from the Storm. Yeah, you run the down. Folks are looking for kind of closure on my challenge to Will. Uh, talking about, I was like, Will, you haven't listened to Bob Dylan. You're not familiar with Bob Dylan. You got to check out Blood on the Tracks. Uh, well, where can folks find your thoughts? We actually secret new part of the ECL universe, Will's Music Corner. It's out there in the ether. That's right. So on our most recent offering for our patrons over at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits, our newest episode of For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast was all about the show Let's Go Luna. And at the very end of that episode, yes, uh, the the surprise debut of Will's Music Corner, where I talked about the Bob Dylan album Blood on the Tracks, which was recommended to me by Lucas. Uh, I'm not going to be talking about it here. I'm uh, if you want to hear, you gotta, you gotta pay, folks. And, and it's a fun discussion. I really enjoyed what we talked about there. So if you want to check it out, Patreon.com/slash/ElwoodCityLimits. We have some wonderful people who are supporting us over there and getting access to our sister podcasts and other great bonus content. People such as Christine Wong and Riley Stevens, people like Matt, people like Nicholas DeMarco and Robert Morrison, people like Aurora Borealis and Zara, people like Katie P and Jenny Cardenas, 
and people like Thunder Yetta, and our newest patron, that would be Emma Gray Beal. Welcome, Emma, and thank you, everybody, for supporting us over there. Uh, yeah, we will get into a little bit of our Patreon offerings for December at the end of the episode. It's going to be a little bit different, I will say that. Okay, again, a couple of things here at the top. We're not quite done with the pre-segment here. I do want to say another thank you, and this goes to not only our patrons, but everybody who is listening. We have recently passed some milestones on our social media, and I wanted to give proper thanks to everybody. So we want to thank you for 800 follows on Twitter, slash X, almost 1,000 follows on Instagram, over 1,200 follows on Tumblr, over 400 Facebook follows, and over 400 YouTube subscriptions. Thank you all very, very much for not only supporting us, but also spreading the word about Elwood City Limits. And believe it or not, that is one of the best ways to keep us uh, in people's ears, is to recommend to a friend or somebody that you know about this Arthur podcast that hopefully you really, really like. But we do want to say thank you for that. Lucas, there is a bit of strange Arthur news that it has passed by my desk. In fact, you were somebody who also made sure that I was alert to this. It has to do with the Word From Us Kids segment. <laughs> There's a person making headlines recently that was uh, exposed in many ways, including their relationship to the Arthur television show. Her name is Carolyn Ellison. She's the former CEO of Alameda Research and a financial trader who pleaded guilty to fraud, money laundering, and conspiracy in 2022. And her company, Alameda Research, was affiliated with FTX, which is a cryptocurrency exchange that has since gone bankrupt. Uh, A lot of really shocking news coming out about her financial dealings. And if you can believe it, She also appeared in a Word From Us Kids segment. Specifically, if you want to go to the episode, it's Season 8, Episode 4. And it's one of those cases, Lucas, where she looks kind of exactly the same. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, it's not just kind of her unscrupulous financial dealings and her defrauding of, you know, I think hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people. Um, She's also got some pretty crazy stuff going on in her personal life. I think she was actually, like, personally dating Sam Bankman-Friedman, the guy, the, the FTX guy. Um, and she there were some old Tumblr posts that people were digging up about how Uh-oh. Uh, she uh, thinks that a polyamorous relationship should be like a Chinese harem with backstabbing. And <laughs> she's got, there's some crazy lore if you want to get into it, Will, but none crazier than her appearing as a child who, yes, like you said, looks identical to her adult self right. in an episode. It's almost so that I, it was like, this is too perfect. Like, this got this must be a kid that looks alike. Yeah. But no, lo and behold, it's the same person. <laughs> yes, Carolyn Ellison, if you want to go d- deep diving into her Tumblr archives, God, like, that's, that's, that's a punishment worse than death for me. Don't look through. Thankfully, all of my old Tumblr archives are expunged from the internet, or at least knock on wood, I hope they are. Go into that at your own risk but another hey arthur the the influence of arthur spreads wide even among the world of cryptocurrency and hopefully that's as wide as it spreads and now it's time for us to get into a new season and at the top of every the start of every season of arthur there's always a couple of notes i want to thank uh peebs as always who is my go-to source for arthur and pbs kids who helped with this there's actually not that much to say about season 19 which we are entering But a couple of notes here. So this aired in North America from June 2015 to May 2016. If you're in the UK, it aired in early 2015 on CBBC. Lucas, we're this close. Like this ended in May 2016. Just months after that, we started Elwood City Limits. We're this like we're working together at this point. Who knows? Maybe they're going to start addressing us on the show, right? I mean, we were that big of a deal from the jump, right? So we, we eyes and ears open. Season 20 onwards, you never know. Like, we haven't been alerted to anything, but that means that we're going to have to keep extra eyes open for this. So, yeah, uh, June 2015 to May 2016, Lucas and I, we know of each other. We work together. We're becoming friends, but we're not quite podcast partners yet. That will come very soon. 
Season 19 of Arthur is both the final season of the show that is animated by Nine Story Media Group with Flash. We're going to be moving into a different type of digital animation starting with next season. So, if it, Lucas, if you've been warming up to the way the show looks, get ready for it all to be thrown out of whack real soon. Very interesting. I mean, I know even less about this newer era than I do about Flash, right? I don't know if it's DigiPaint or, or what other tools they're going to be using, but get ready for that conversation all over again. <laughs> oh, yeah, you better believe it. And finally, this is the last season of Arthur that is 10 episodes long, which is a practice that we've been in since season four of the show. The original three seasons were actually much longer. Uh, I believe the first season was like 20 or so, and then it slowly pared down, and since season four, it has been... 10 episodes per season. Starting next season, they're getting a lot shorter, so we're going to actually be going through the show at a bit of a quicker rate as we go on here. And so this is the, this is the last stop before we get into some major, major changes in the show. So we started off here with Brain's Brain. Yeah, it's a, it's a double brain episode. And thankfully, Brain's, uh, brain's where he should be here, off screen and shoved into a closet. Arthur and Buster. This was, I, 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 this was like, it was, they did this for me and you, Will. This was <laughs> hilarious. Where they were like, okay, time to talk about the brain. And then Brain shows up and is like, me? And almost with perfect kind of comedic timing, they literally shove him into a closet. Yeah, no, it's great. No, no not that brain. They're talking about the, the human brain or the animal brain, whatever you want to say. Uh, they're talking about the brain, and uh, brain is uh, not able to affect this cold open. Just, uh, just some basic stuff about you know what neurons are and what a brain does in the body. Um, they We start to see some strange objects make their way into the cold open, and it turns out that's part of a memory testing thing here, because keep those fresh in your mind. There are five weird items, and can you remember all of them by the end of the episode? Spoilers, I think I remembered two of them. I think I remembered the umbrella and the chicken, because my memory uh, is paced. I... Damn, I thought we were going to get into this at the end of the episode. So I remembered the sombrero, the rake, and the chicken. So you're doing better than me then. Wow. Nice. Yeah. yeah. It's a little it's bit. my omega-3s, Will, but taking my omega-3s. Yeah, that's, see, that's where I'm falling behind. I'm, I'm not, uh, I need to be getting more omega-3s. I need to be getting more brain force, apparently. Uh, just a lot of ways in which I'm falling behind here, and Arthur reminds me of it. And one thing I didn't want to let go here, Arthur and Buster get into a bit of an argument about whether Arthur owes Buster 25 cents or 50 cents for a yogurt. I don't even think you can buy yogurt for 25 cents anymore. Like a, like a yogurt cup? Can you just buy like a, a singular cup? Yeah, can you even buy a single cup? Uh, let's see how much a cup of yogurt is on Amazon. Like maybe if you're in like a hospital or something, or like if you're in like a you know like a deli where it's like oh I'm gonna I'm gonna for some reason buy one yogurt cup. That's got to be more than a quarter though. Come on. I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure they have that kind of stuff at a bodega or a, you mm -hmm. know the French Canadian mm -hmm. version of a bodega, a Dep. They always sell weird stuff. Like at the Dep, they'll sell you a half pack of White Claw. They literally cut the pack of White Claw in half and <laughs> tape it up with with like packing tape so i could see those guys cutting up a pack of iogos and selling it to you by the cup oh, but the, i don't know what they charge surely it's more than 25 cents oh the depener they're always trying to have their way with their cut open white claws and everything so this leads us into the episode which is unfortunately brain centric brain is preparing eggs for a spring egg hunt where all of the Younger kid characters are going to be participating, or at least the main ones, like DW, Bud, Visita, and the Tibble twins. And Brain is making all of the eggs. He stays up all night to color them, and he wants to go hide them at midnight, but he is uh, stopped from doing this by his mother. On the way to the egg hunt, DW and Bud enter the story because DW pinky bets Bud that she can find more eggs than he can. And here's here's what's here's what's on uh, at stake. Between Bud and DW, they offer up these as prizes. Two paper clips, a marker that smells like strawberries, a giraffe sticker, and a bendy straw. 
Uh, I was into DW and blood betting. I was into DW gambling. <laughs> I like this. I think it adds stakes. I think the joke that they have only stuff that kids would have in their pockets is funny. Um, I just watched uh, Abel Ferreira's Bad Lieutenant. Oh yeah, which has a a rub running theme of doubling down on gambling. Uh, and it was funny to think of you know Harvey Keitel delivering all of DW's lines or vice versa <laughs> DW delivering all of Hi- Harvey Keitel's lines for Bad Lieutenant so this I liked so if so if Harvey Keitel from Bad Lieutenant was in on this he's you know he's got two paper clips in a market that smells like strawberries what are we talking about what's that sound like oh man I don't first of all I don't know if I could do a Harvey Keitel impression and I definitely couldn't do it on the family friendly podcast if you've seen Bad Lieutenant there's a lot of uh four letter words uh, strewn throughout, but um, you know, it would be funny to hear, you know, CDW going around uh, buying drugs and uh, betting on baseball and uh, drinking and driving and all the stuff that uh, Harvey Tell- Keitel gets up to with that movie. When they get to the hunt, it has a theme. Brain's theme is great men and women of science. So all the eggs have different names of scientists or people who were involved in science written on them. And that's a... Uh, that's a kind of running joke. So there's like Johannes Kepler. There's I'm pretty sure Albert Einstein is on one of them. Like there's a lot of uh, shout outs here. There's even some Canadians in there as well. I think yeah, Marie Curie. I saw yeah, Marie Curie. I mean, the whole list is on the Arthur Wiki, which I just pulled up here. Stephen Hawking, Jane Goodall. You can you can read the whole thing there. It's 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 not too bad. So the, all the kids go on this egg hunt, and eventually there's only one egg remaining. Uh, and it comes down to a tie between DW and Bud. The egg is uh, for Pierre Paul Broca, who I learned about through this episode, so kudos. Brain, however, can't remember where he put it, and this is causing a bit of trouble because DW and Bud don't want to be tied. Uh, Also worth noting, the Tibbles tried to pass off rocks as eggs, so nice try. Brain excuses himself to his room so that he can... He can do like a proper memory Sherlock memory palace thing. He's going to try to figure out exactly where he put it. So he imagines himself inside of his brain. He's walking on the surface of it. But then all of a sudden, Bud and DW are on the surface of his brain. They fall into a crevice. And when you know it, Lucas, it's a magic school bus-esque educational journey through the brain. Yeah, and you know... This basically takes up the entirety of the latter half of the episode, uh, and it was incredibly welcome for me. Like, they do a good job of, they make the inner workings of Brain's brain both seem fantastical, um, and not, no pun intended, what is that movie called? The Fantastic Journey? Fantastic Journey, yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 you know, in the the exploring the body, very Magic School Bus-esque, but they also do have, like, a little bit of body body uh, horror in there, and that, like, the inside of Brain's brain is uh, appropriately gross, like, after they get through the kind of gray matter, they go through that gross tube mm. um, into his hippocampus, where they meet an actual hippo, and everything is just, like, squishy and wet and sinewy and, and kind of nasty. And I was into it. I was like, this is cool. This is the kind of stuff we come to see uh, from Arthur dream sequences when it gets weird. So I was a fan. So this is the order in which we go through things. We start at the hippocampus, which is a library that is run by a hippo, a hippo's campus. What I couldn't get over with this hippo, it looks like a Richard Scary character. Like, it's a bit different than the way other Arthur animals look and there's a hippo character in richard's the richard scary books and cartoon show that this looks really similar to i i yeah i'm not familiar with the character you're referring to but i know what you mean about how this doesn't quite look like any arthur character i mean they've given it grandma's thora's uh hair and glasses Mm -hmm. but in terms of the way the actual hippo looks it's a little bit unlike anything else we've seen at this point we are spirited away by uh pavel the uh, tour guide through the brain who is a check bat and uh they do and and don't worry <laughs> they address it there is actually a funny line that i liked where brain is like what on earth is a check bat doing in my brain the, it leads them to the brain and, and by the yeah. way for the listeners when will says check back bat check check bat he literally means a bat from the Czech Republic. <laughs> yes, yeah, a Czechoslovakian uh, bat, a cave-dwelling bat. 
Um, they then go to the brainstem, which is represented as like a factory line sort of thing. And they DW and Bud play around with making brain make silly faces. They then go into the frontal lobe, which is a sort of laboratory setting with different representations of brain as they argue for different parts uh, for different things happen. So, like, for example, uh, brain is hungry and would like a cookie. But then another brain says, no, he wants to uh, eat something healthy or he wants to wait until dinner. And eventually the cookie part wins out. But they're all represented by, like, tiny versions of brain with high voices. They eventually go to the temporal lobe, which is for memories, and it's represented as a museum with works of art on the on the walls. So a portrait of Brain hitting a home run the year before. There's also one of the pictures is from the Dexters. So in the in the episode The Contest, which was many, many years ago, um, the segment of that episode, which involved many different style parodies that featured brain was a parody of Dexter's laboratory. And they have a picture of a still from that episode as one of these pictures. And brain is even like, I don't remember this happening, but this is from the story that he wrote. And this, you know, this is a good sign for the rest of the season that they're going to keep throwing in references for the heads like ourselves. Mm, That's true. Like that's only for the people who would have seen that before, not for any young kids watching this. So interesting, interesting shout out. I appreciated it. And then finally, they we get to the end here, and Brain is still having trouble remembering exactly where where he hid this egg. And D.W. and Bud are very impatient. And then finally, he says the phrase, "I was, you know, I was talking to this Czech bat," but it turns out that was a signal all along. His brain was telling him not Czechoslovakian bat, but check the bat. Was it like a what was it like a birdhouse or something? It was like it was or like a. A, a, like a bat box in his uh, in his backyard where it's like a box with a bat on it. And that's where he left the final egg. And so he decides... Very clever, yeah. though. This is how the memory works, right? You've got to come up with a clever mnemonic device. I remember studying for tests in high school this way where this, this kind of stuff actually works. If you're like, check the bat box, check back. I don't know. It, it it does actually make you memorize things better. Yeah, it's and it's it, it's it's a funny representation of um the way that the way that memory works. I at least in my in my experience, it's very hard to brute force yourself into remembering things. It's often is a lot more of a, a slinky and hard to predict process that is kind of similar to this. Brain decides to give the prize for the egg hunt to both DW and Bud. The prize is a two-volume set of Sir Isaac Newton's Arithmetic Universalis, which they both side-eye Brain mightily. And that's a journey through Brain's brain, essentially. That's how the episode ends up, where DW and Bud, nobody really wins, but Brain has remembered what he wanted to remember. And now a word from us kids. This one is Chilani, and her second grade class are also giving their brains a workout through brain teasers and physical challenges. So, memory no games. No disgraced, no disgraced kind of uh, financial uh, characters <laughs> in this one. You know, yet. I don't know how old these kids would be now, but uh, if they're in second, keep an eye on these kids. Who knows where they're going to end up later on? If they're in second grade, like... Let's say, let's say, like almost a decade ago, second grade is they're like ending high school. So Lucas, there's still time. There's there's still time for so many of the kids who have been featured on uh, Word from Us Kids to fail publicly. <laughs> there is a there was a funny read by one of these kids where like okay, they'll have a few of them say something to camera as they're like doing jumping jacks or this memory game, and this one kid stone faced looking directly in the camera. Different parts of your brain are good at different things. Just like no, like just straight down the barrel, and it was, it was, it was chilling. Uh, I also want to note the kids have this fun thing that they do. It it depends on what kind of a segment you get. Sometimes, sometimes they'll have a little thing that they cap off the segment with, and in this case, the kids have a little thing that they say, and then they do a double bicep pose. They do the the Scott Steiner bicep kiss, and then they go, "Huh," which I thought was I, I like I like when they do that. I do I do like when they Shit. do that. It's usually fun. Shout out to all my freaks out there. (laughs) Hall, if you hear me. Hi, everybody. It's Lucas. 
your favorite co-host from Elwood City Limits. Um, I want to remind you folks that if you like listening to the podcast, first and foremost, the best way to spread the love is to tell a friend who is interested in Arthur or podcasts or animation or hearing about Nova Scotia for some reason. But there's some other things you could do as well. For instance, you can follow us on social media. Twitter is at ECL Podcast. The Instagram is at Elwood City Limits. My pet project, the Twitch channel, which we do live streams on sometimes, twitch.tv slash Elwood City Limits Pod. And we also have a Facebook and Tumblr as well. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and youtube.com slash Elwood City Limits. That's where Will has been diligently uploading all of the episodes if they're not on your podcast listening service of choice. If they aren't on one of those services, let us know. You can reach out to us on social media or via email at elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. Finally, the Patreon is where you can find all of our paywall content, patreon.com slash elwoodcitylimits. This gives you access to the Discord, where we have a bustling community, as well as some exclusive videos, audio bonuses, such as commentary for the various Arthur movies and more, as well as some of our additional podcasts for the kids, is where me and Will uh, cover all the PBS shows that aren't Arthur, as well as ECL Origins, where we really talk about any show from our childhood that we want. Uh, And most importantly, you get early access to every episode of ECL. You get to flex on your friends that you're getting it a week early. You can join for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. And now, back to the show. Second half of our episode is Brain Sees Stars, and there is actually a little bit of, uh, I, I guess this isn't news from from where we're going at it, but this is this has a bit of a sad distinction to it. So, as Lucas, I'm sure you noticed at the end of the episode, the the episode itself was dedicated to Walter Massey, the voice of Mr. Haney and Mr. Marco on the show. And unfortunately, at this time in the show, when this aired, he had passed away. So Walter Massey is a Canadian actor. He was born in August 1928 in Toronto, and he was based largely in Montreal. Fun fact, he was a founding member of the Canadian Actors' Equity Association, and it's still around today. It represents around 6,000 Canadian actors of both stage and screen, as well as singers and backstage workers and producers. So he's been celebrated for his work in founding that. He was also in a Heritage Minute. He was in the Heritage Minute about the creation of the Bell Radio Network. Oh, wow. Okay. That's that's kind of a fun one. He, I had no idea. He's very recognizable in the sense of, like, as soon as you hear him talk, he sounds like Mr. Haney. So I remember recently watching all of these with my wife, and then that one came on. I was like, oh, that's Mr. Haney. So he is immortalized in many ways on screen. He's been in a bunch of different television shows and movies, and he passed away at the age of 85 while this season was in production. And appropriately, this is the, this is the final episode of with a speaking role for Miss for Principal Haney. We've, we haven't seen Mr. Marco since like season two, but Mr. Haney, a, a, a perennial favorite of the early years of the podcast, very much a, similar in the way to Oliver Frensky of letting us know that there are interesting and quirky adult characters at work on the show that you could always kind of make something out of. And I always enjoyed it when, Mr. Haney showed up. We had that joke early on in this in this show where he seemed to have this like colorful past that was only hinted at. And I still think more could have been done with Mr. Haney. I, th- I still think there was a lot more that a lot more fun to be had with him. And I'm just uh, I'm sorry that it had to end like this. So this is the final time that we'll be talking about Mr. Haney, it seems. So they retire the character. They don't replace him with another voice actor. That's crazy. I think he might show up like visually as like a background character, but yeah, I don't. I don't believe they're going to be interacting with him anymore. Wow. Well, I mean, that is really sad. I was always hoping for the kind of Mister Haney centric episode, like where he gets an A plot. Um, and the closest we get to that is he is kind of the B plot of my favorite Arthur episode, The Blizzard. Um, and maybe that's one of the reasons why that episode so spoke to me is that I've always been a huge Mr. Haney fan. 
Me too. I've always really liked Mr. Haney. And it, it's the same thing with Oliver Frensky. Like, I, I, I just really wish that we were able to do more with him. But um, rest in peace to Walter Massey. And thank you so much for your contributions to this wonderful show. So this one is, again, about the brain. And in this cold open, he's talking to us about how much he loves astrophysics. Because when it comes to the planets and orbit and all that kind of stuff, you can predict exactly what they're going to do. Because it's usually always the same to one degree or another. And we see Brain going up in a spaceship into space with Arthur and Buster as his co-pilots. There's a little scene here where they're in the cockpit and they're floating around. And Brain, like Buster is trying to eat peas and they get away from him and Brain eats the peas. And it's all set to the classical music piece Blue Danube. Likely this is a reference to 2001 A Space Odyssey. But when I saw somebody eating something to this song in space, it reminded me of the Simpsons episode Deep Space Homer, where that exact same thing happens, <laughs> where he musically eats the chips. What Brain doesn't account for is that while they're up, for, uh, while they're up in orbit, uh, Buster and Arthur get into an argument about Arthur cheating at chess, question mark. And then Brain says, you can't predict what people are going to do as much as you can predict what the planets are going to do. And that's his biggest problem. This episode itself is somewhat about that. Brain is really wanting to watch an upcoming meteor shower. Did you notice the name of the meteor shower, Lucas? No, no. What was it? The Carl Saganids. Okay. I mean, okay. Makes sense. And in fact, I think I, I remembered kind of at the end of this episode with Mr. Haney talking about it talking about Carl Sagan, and I thought he was just name-dropping Carl Sagan. I wasn't paying close enough attention to know that that's what the meteor shower was. But shout-out to the fellow kind of PBS show Nova, which really we should watch one of these days. Yeah, Um, you're right. I feel like it's for the kids adjacent enough that we should just check out an episode of Nova. Classic, though. Nova Classic, not the new Nova. That's a great idea. Uh, uh, Patrons and listeners alike, let us know if... Uh, what episodes of Nova we should check out for uh, the next episode of For the Kids, potentially. That sounds like a great idea. Um, So the Carl Sagan is Meteor Shower. This also coincides with a long-running curse that Brain has been the victim of, seemingly, where the last few times he has wanted to watch a meteor shower, something happens that gets in his way. So his grandma comes to visit. He has to help his mom clean up the ice cream store. Ed Crosswire gets a flat tire in front of his house and Brain knows how to change a tire somehow. Uh, so Brain is very conscious about this. He really, really wants to see this meteor shower. And I was going to say, it's 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 crazy that Mr. Crosswire owns a car dealership. He doesn't know how to change a tire. That's craziness. I would at least believe that he doesn't feel like he should. But yeah, I don't know if it's because it was also shown to be very cold out. So it's I took it more as him being a little just hoity-toity. Uh, but uh, hey, what do I know? Maybe he doesn't. Also, also, what is this? Twenty twelve. Listen, this is a piece of advice to everybody else in the Elwood City limits of universe. Okay. Oh yeah. It's not nineteen eighty six anymore. To change your tire, you don't need your dad to kind of walk you through the paces and teach you how to do it. You can literally look up your car's model number, change a tire on YouTube. So the power is in your hands, Elwood City list, Limits listeners. You all know how to change a tire. Because with the power of the 4G LTE network, you can all see step-by-step instructions on how to change a tire easily, no matter what your vehicle may be. And really, changing a tire is not as much of a level of difficulty as you think. I've changed tires before, and I am terrible around cars. So I, b- I believe that you can do it. And Lucas is right. There's never been a better time to have to change your tire uh, with the information we have at our fingertips. Speaking of fingertips here, um, when Brain is talking about this curse at lunchtime, he has a plan. I wanted to note there's good animation here when Brain, like, wiggles and tents his fingers together. It was just really, like, fluid, and it looked really good. Uh, in a way that I'm not used to the Flash animation allowing for. So good on the animators for that one. I like that. So Brain's idea is that he has been asked by his mom to help out at the ice cream store that same night that the meteor shower is going to happen. But instead, he's going to enlist Arthur to do it. Now, in the past, we've noted that, like, it's at least a little weird that Brain works in the ice cream shop and is, like, nine 
But it's like, okay, that's his family. That's like family business kind of thing. Like, whatever. Gray area if you want to. Arthur's not related to Brain. Like, he is... Brain is just somehow being like, hey, can you do labor for my mom? Unpaid labor? And Arthur's like, yeah, sure. Like, I don't even know if he's getting anything out of this. Yeah, already it was bad enough. Listen, we all know kids who maybe are a little bit too young to be working, working for their family business. I know that that's like a an established practice, but this is this is beyond the pale. You know, we need to, somebody needs to contact um, the basically the government and shut Brains Ice Cream Shop down for uh, violating labor laws. I guess. <laughs> I I think there's some stuff being gotten away with here that shouldn't. Like, Brain's putting in real hours there. It's not, like, helping out when mom or dad has to go to the bathroom. So, I don't know. Um, however, there's a, there's a problem with this plan already because Arthur comes into school that day and he's sick. And he, he the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, so to speak. He is, he is quite sick, and so he can't do it. So Buster literally bats his eyes at Brain from across the table that they're eating at so that Brain will ask him to fill in for Arthur because, of course, Buster wants to help out at an ice cream store. That's, like, his dream job. I just really like that he that he literally did the cart, like the Bugs Bunny batting the eyes at him. While this is going on, different things are getting in Brain's way that are promising to tie him up that evening. So he has to continually find his way out of things. So... Um, he does a piece, uh, a writing piece for Mr. Ratburn's class that Ratburn asks him to read that night at the student open house. So he has to volunteer Fern to do it instead. And Fern is very, uh, very writerly and, uh, obsessed with getting it perfect. As she says, I'm only on my sixth draft, which as a writer, I felt that I feel that brain is also conscripted to clean the equipment after soccer practice, which he also manages to pawn off the student open house thing. He eventually does have to do, but he does kind of get out of cleaning the equipment while also Buster himself gets sick, presumably from being right next to, to Arthur. And he is also like, no, please. I want to do it. There's a little scene here where Buster does try to fill in for brain later. And he's like, coughing on stuff and he sneezes on the strawberries and they have to throw stuff out. I got to be honest with you, Lucas, like the joke of like sick person coughs on stuff. Not so funny anymore. Like I said, this is just more kind of evidence for the health inspector for the labor commission, whomever to shut down, uh, this this establishment. I just want to you know st- step in here briefly, like not like not crazy, but Brain's mom does throw out everything that gets coughed and sneezed on, so she doesn't keep any of that. In fact, she tells Buster to get out as soon as he's done sneezing. But it's just I don't know, like just all of this coughing into your hand and sneezing like in front of people is like oh please don't stop. How have we not learned from this that they couldn't have known what was to come? I also want to note here, as I said earlier, Brain does end up having to read his piece for the student open house because Fern gets too in her head about how her sounds, so she can't read it in front of people. It's it's this inspiring speech that Ratburn hopes will in, will uh, inspire the future generations of students coming into uh, Lakewood Elementary. And there's a great read from, I, I think it's Danny Brochu, uh, Buster's voice actor, uh, there's a, just a really solid dumb guy voice when Brain's done. A guy raises his hand. He's like, so uh, what's a meteorite again? Like, just <laughs> really solid dumb guy. Like, I love a good oaf voice. I, I would go as far as to say that this is this. Is he even off frame? Like, do we even even see this kid? Yeah. It, it, and I, I don't think it's a kid. I think it's a parent. Well, like, this parent is the throwaway character of the week. I would have thought it would be the, the, the check bat. Honestly. Oh, true. The check bat. He's got a bow tie, dude. Dang. Okay, you know what? This is a rare case. We got two really good... Oh, he does have a bow tie. Never mind. I was going to leave this <laughs> as a vote to the Discord, but the the science is the science, and the bow tie, the check bat, is the throwaway character of the week. Pavel the Czechoslovakian bat. Congratulations. Throwaway character of the week. And then finally, Brain is on his way to the meteor shower, and he still gets waylaid. He helps an old lady cross the street, 
and he waits to be tipped as she rummages through her change purse. Finally, finally gets to the park, and this is where Mr. Haney, as we said, is leading this meteor shower viewing party, and where he mentions Carl Sagan, and it's the final lines of Mr. Haney. Brain sits himself down, he's got his green tea, he's ready to watch the meteor shower, but... As was mentioned earlier in the episode would be happening, everybody was really excited for Mr. Crosswire's temporary drive-in theater. He's got like a pop-up going on here, ends up blocking the view because they turn on these big floodlights and you can't even see the night sky anymore. So right, right next to where these people are trying to watch the meteor shower. And Brain just gives into the curse at this point. He's just like, I'm never going to be able to see a meteor shower. I do want to note here, actually, a thing about Mr. Haney. Uh, we get the, as we've said before, the pressing C right on Mr. Haney gets his casual clothes here. We're so used to seeing him in the blue suit. We're, uh, you know, and this is a fitting goodbye. We're, we're seeing Mr. Haney leave, uh, kind of swagged out Mr. Haney as opposed to formal, (laughs) um, business Mr. Haney. So, uh, ta-ta for now, Mr. Haney. Happy trails. And the movie that Mr. Crosswire is screening is Douglas the Talking Dune Buggy, which to me sounds like a uh, 60s live-action Disney movie. Like, probably it's Kurt... It's like Furby. Yeah, or like, uh, like Kurt Russell is going to be starring in it. Like, the computer wore tennis shoes, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Finally, his friends see Brain so distraught, and they decide to put the bug in Mr. Crosswire's ear, and he fakes that there's technical difficulties. He turns all the lights off, and then everybody gets to look at the meteor shower. And there's actually a really sweet line here from Arthur to close out the episode where Brain, you know, he thought that he couldn't count. He, he thought that the curse would always follow him and that he'd never be able to see a meteor shower. But finally he is. And Arthur says, there's something else that you can count on. Us. And it's like, oh, like it's it's a little it's a little it's a little gooey. It's a little cheesy. But I, I kind of liked it. It, it kind of hit in the right way. And especially like directly after that line is the uh, episode dedicated to Walter Massey. And it was just like, okay, that that kind of that kind of worked for me. So it's a double it's a brain double header here. Like, it's, again, this is a trend that's continuing on through the show is we are getting uh, we're doubling up on stories with a particular character. If it's not the D double dose or uh, did we do like a, a binky doubleheader? No, it was a bud doubleheader. Mm. Uh, then we get brain. So in some cases, it's not exactly the character we want to see more of. But Lucas, you seem a bit more positive about this than I expected you to be. Let's go back to the first story, Brain's Brain. Did you like it? Yeah, I was dreading. Uh, I was dreading watching two brain episodes. You mm. all know how I feel about brain. And I was pleasantly surprised by Brain's Brain, despite being double brain. Um, I thought maybe we're turning the corner on old Brain here because I thought this was a really fun episode. Good way to start the season. Um, this episode is pretty much 70% in Brain's Brain. Um, and maybe this just works for me, the Magic School Bus style. Like, let's explore the human body. Sure, it's pretty overtly educational, but I was into the art. I liked how kind of gross and gooey. Everything in Brain's brain looked. I liked how, like, even when you're initially on the brain and there's, like, electricity flowing through um, and, you know, the check bat, so random, the hippopotamus, uh, I I was really kind of engaged throughout this episode. And, you know, another thing that had this episode stacked against it, when Bud first shows up and he makes the deal with DW, I was like, oh, gosh, like, I really... Bud might be my biggest nemesis now, even more so than Brain, because I just cannot stand any line reads from the kid. Um, But uh, even Bud couldn't ruin this episode. I just thought it was a great time. Uh, I liked, I was like, oh, Brain puts on an Easter egg hunt for these kids. This is great. Like, I don't know. I I, I was into this for some reason. What about you, Will? Lucas really said, F them kids, bro. Uh, Um, I'm, I'm a bit cooler on it than you are. I do want to, uh, I do want to say that I did think it was an imaginative way to learn about the brain for like the, the organ, the brain for children. Like I thought that's a, that's a neat little thing to do in Arthur. There's some cool ways in visualizing the parts of the brain that I thought was, that I thought was, um, at least visually interesting and cohesive. Um, 
I yeah. I, I otherwise I'm a little bit kind of kind of mid on it. It's it certainly could have been more annoying. Like both of these brain episodes could have been a lot worse. But in this one, I. I just kind of let it wash over me a little bit, especially because it was like not just brain, but like DW and Bud, which is I don't want to completely write off yet. But as I'm I'm not too far behind Lucas and being like, I could stand to see less of Bud. But, you know, uh, it's 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 fine. Like it's it's totally fine and definitely not as bad as I thought it was going to be or thought it could be. I'm a little bit warmer to Brain Sees Stars. I think that that's a really interesting uh, idea for a story and that Brain is cursed. It reminds me of the Bad Luck episode, which um, I recently watched the Believe in Yourself double DVD set of like 25 Arthur episodes. And the brain, the episode where Brain has bad luck is one of those episodes. And it reminds me of that a little bit. But thankfully, we don't focus as much on the curse aspect of it as just like, the message here is that Brain is actually like a really nice person and he gives of himself a lot to other people so much so that he misses out on the stuff he really wants to do, which is a very charitable interpretation of Brain. I think a lot of times we tend to see the more negative aspects of him where he's just like he's vindictive, he's vengeful, he's haughty, he's like, you know, uh, flaunts his intelligence a lot and this this is definitely an, a way to express his positive traits and and for him to be rewarded for it in the end by his friends who notice that he is worth celebrating in this way. So that's a that's a really positive way to think about it. Um, it also got me thinking about meteor showers a lot more than I normally do. I don't think I've ever seen a meteor shower, and now I kind of wish I had. Um, but there's some there's some good lines in here, good use of like the the deep Arthur cast, not just Arthur and Buster, but like Fern gets some time in here. Uh, Fran, there's a, a bit of Francine as well. Um, yeah, I, I I thought this was I thought this was pretty solid, and uh, on, and and like I said, at least we got you know a, a couple more lines from Mister Haney before we have to say goodbye to him. Yeah, I feel a li- I was a little bit less excited about it than Brain's Brain just because I really liked the adventure aspect of Braid's brain really felt like going on a journey mm-hmm. uh brain sees stars i kind of got the point at a certain you know in the th- final third where i was like okay let's wrap it up um however uh i echo your sentiment that i think we're turning the corner on old brain here and this is the kind of the most positive light we'd seen him in um and i i almost like that the moral could be construed you know the, the moral of the story is you know your friends got your back but the moral also could be construed, you know, it doesn't matter. You shouldn't you shouldn't try and manipulate fate. And sometimes you could put all of the best, uh, uh, you could put as much preparedness as you can into action. And the fate will still kind of screw you over. And you kind of have to be okay with that and just accept it. Um, that's not really the moral because in the end, the moral is, you know, with friends, you could accomplish anything. But there's an element of that in that episode, and I think that that's a really good kind of message to get across to kids as well. Um, and yes, uh, I am a little bit more sentimental about this episode than I usually would be given, um, you know, getting, saying goodbye to our sweet Mr. Haney, which again is, is in my upper echelon of Arthur side characters. So overall, I think this is just a huge commendable, commendable surprise given that these are two brain episodes um, and how we felt about brain in the past. You make a you make an interesting point there as we settle into a new season. You know, we continue to grow and change as people. It's one of the things I always point to about like how we evolve over time is is our treatment of characters like Prunella, where we went or or Muffy or even Emily to a degree, where we actually found things to like about them. And now we're becoming more ingratiated to brain. Just as as you said, Lucas, we're finding a new nemesis in Bud. So there, there always needs to be that kind of... <laughs> maybe what is happening is that we have a character we dislike, and then there's a character we dislike even more, and then the character we originally disliked looks better in comparison. So you could, you could interpret this several ways, but I wonder with the episodes that we have left, will we see the Bud redemption arc? Now that Brain is, and I, and I don't think Brain's in the clear yet, but is there room on, is there, is there the ability for this show to even, um, to even make Bud look worthy in our eyes? Or perhaps to make a good dog and baby episode? 
Good Dog and Baby episode sounds a little bit more possible. To make good, you know, to make Bud good in our eyes, he either has to go to, like, speech therapy classes or, like, get hit by a truck that permanently alters oh the God. way he talks at this point. <laughs> I'm glad you followed up from gets hit by a truck because, man, oh, man. Uh, yeah, let's let's just say some, something just readjusts that accent of his. And there it is, the start of Arthur Season 19. We're officially into it now. There's no stopping us, and we're going to keep going from here. So thank you for listening to this episode of Elwood City Limits. I mentioned at the top of the episode, uh, so the Patreon offering is going to look a little bit different coming up to December, and that's because we're going to take a little bit of a break, if that's okay with you. The Christmas holidays, the holiday season is coming up very soon. And instead of trying to get something out uh, for the end of the month, I think if you don't mind, we're just going to take a little bit of a breather. So you can definitely expect new and cool stuff and changes to be coming in January of 2024. But for December, in terms of the audio content, we're going to take it take it a little bit easy. I will say that I am going to have a little bit of a text post coming up that is not strictly Arthur related. I would say it's an ECL Origins type of post that has to do with a cartoon that I recently finished watching and wanted to talk about a little bit. So patrons, you can look forward to that. And uh, I'm, you know, sorry if if that's a little bit disappointing, but we do have fun stuff coming up for you very, very soon. And we might look into, you know, I recently live-streamed some Deus Ex. Thank yeah. you to the people who tuned in for that. That was a lot of fun. Uh, and me and Will might do a fun holiday stream or do some kind of unscheduled holiday activities if time allows. Certainly. Just, you know, that those are our plans. But, hey, you never know. Plans change. So it's always and we've got so much back stuff on the patreon too so we've got over 50 episodes of for the kids a pbs kids podcast we've got some great episodes of ecl origins we've got video content i'm trying to track down a very specific dessert so i can make another video episode so uh, i mean i hopefully i'll be able to get a lead on it somewhere uh something i've been wanting to do for this podcast for a long time who knows maybe i'll get to that in december Uh, But for right now, it's going to be a little bit different here as we approach the holiday season. And we hope that you're getting excited for it, too, because, of course, we're going to continue recording episodes of Elwood City Limits along the way. And don't forget, you're hearing this a week early if you are on the Patreon. And next time on Elwood City Limits, we will be talking about Sue Ellen adds it up and wish you were here which I think is also another double episode. So, Lucas, it's truly, we're truly back into it. The winter's around the corner, so is Christmas. And my goodness, it just feels like there's a lot of change in the air as we get ready to eventually welcome in the new year, not to wish the year away, because there's still so much of it to go. Yeah, I look forward to the new year, Will, and I definitely look forward to the holiday break. As, as listeners will know, I've been really busy this year, so um, bring on the December ween festivities. And once again, thank you, everybody, for following us on our socials, and that's the best place to stay updated on us uh, for what's going to be happening next, as well as the ECL Discord if you're a patron. But that's it for Elwood City Limits for this week. I'm Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini, I'm the best finder there is. <laughs> we'll see you next time.